Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. Luckily, my memory is so short that I will repeat myself anyway, not even knowing. Hey, you're going to start talking about something completely different yeah, yeah. Than, uh, than what we just agreed upon. Are we recording now? Yeah, someone changed the subject. Um, so, <laughs> when to quit jujitsu? Yeah. It's a good question to ask. Very, very good question because you and I, um, uh, amongst everyone, we're, by, by no means, it's not a matter of if you're going to get injured training jujitsu, it's a matter of when you are going to get injured uh, training jujitsu. And for some people, uh, they'll go for a very long time and they'll have these minor injuries. They'll have strains, sprains. I mean, you're going to get injured, but they can be very minor. And then some people will have some extreme injuries where you're talking about like having to have major surgery done, being out for close to a year and, you know, having to decide. Uh, whether or not they want to put themselves in that type of situation again. Like there's a lot more mental hurdles uh, to to get over. You and I have have dealt with it. And and, um, we've always been the way we've tried to keep ourselves safe recently is one. We, you know, try to control who we train with. Um, And you and I have a very great uh, Saturday morning where we get to train together and it's very safe and, and um, you know, you and I are very understanding of each other's injuries. Um, I recently tore, uh, my meniscus. Um, you've been dealing with some, uh, a long-term injury that you have to deal with, you know, on and off. Um, and it's prompted this question because it's come up before, like, is there ever a time where you just consider hanging up the gloves? Cause one of the big arguments for me was, why I love jujitsu so much when people ask that question is <clears throat> because, you know, my history is uh, and my first love is boxing. Um, but boxing is one of those things. Yeah, I can shadow box for the rest of my life, hopefully, and I can hit the bag for the rest of my life, hopefully. But like hard sparring and that's just that's it, it's it's I, I don't I don't ever see that happen. I've never been into a boxing gym where I saw old dudes going at it. I've seen it on a viral video and it went viral because you never see it before right it's like seeing a unicorn you're like oh my god and um but you just don't see that so one of the things i love about jujitsu it is it allows me to have that that contact that combat um but it's a it's it's not as hard as boxing that's not to say that it's not as dangerous it can be more dangerous i mean if the guy if the guy doesn't stop when you tap you know, something's going to break or he's going to strangle you to death. But the reality is, is that the training, the sparring component is a little bit different because once I tap, we can reset and, and I can literally tap at any time. I mean, there's guys that have, and I'm not going to name any names that have tapped before there's even a submission uh, being placed upon them. Right. And that doesn't happen. Like nobody calls a timeout in the middle of a boxing match right i like and in fact as soon as i'm about to lay my good punches on you're not going to quit like i'm you got yours i'm going to get mine now and uh so you know those are the differences but when does a person legitimately consider well so my point being is right i can try like because the training component is like that with jujitsu 
in my mind, I'm like, I love this because I can train for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Um, as opposed to boxing, you know, you just, you don't have that. I don't have that live sparring component. But when you're getting injured or you have injuries <clears throat> or you're dealing with injuries, you know, is there, a, is there ever a, a point where you say, you know what, it's just not worth it. I think I need to hang this up also and maybe start getting into Tai Chi or, or something else. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of this was prompted by there's a video out there that uh, from a, I think it's a purple belt jiu-jitsu guy who's maybe about 10 years younger than me. He's like, I think, it's late, I think he's in his late 30s. And he's like, jiu-jitsu saved my life, but it ruined my body was the, the title of the video. And he goes through, like, all the injuries he's got like he's like i have to sleep in a certain position because if i sleep on my side i'm in agonizing pain and all these kind of things and i think it's one of those things that um with a lot of things in life you just have to decide like are you willing to adapt what you think training should be how you think training should be who you train with and what you do during that training if you're open-minded to that then i think you can always train. If you're one of those things where you're like, no, this is how training is and this is how it's always going to be, then you will probably end up like this guy and at some point be like, I just simply cannot train the way I want to train anymore. And for some people, if like, if that's how it has to be, then yeah, you're going to have to quit at some point. I mean, it's like with boxing, like you said, I mean, um, if your idea of boxing is, no, it's got to be hard sparring and that's it, there will come a day when you just simply cannot spar hard anymore. And at that point, if that's the way you look at boxing and that's the only way it's got to be, then your time is done. Um, I remember when Roger Gracie retired from competing, they're like, are you going to start doing the masters and stuff like that? And he's like, no. They're like, why? He's like, I don't want to compete if I can't be the best. And he's like, when you're doing the masters, you're admitting you're not the best anymore. He's like, I don't want to do that. I only want to compete if I can be the best. And so he stopped. I mean, so there is sort of, for some people, it needs to be a certain way. If you can allow flexibility in how you look at training, then I think you can train forever. I think it just has to change over time, but I think you can do it forever. And my personal bias is it's much better to do it that way because there's a lot of stuff that you can learn. Um, so I was training with this guy on Friday. Well, I was training with two different people on Friday, both of which I thought were interesting. Um, first one I'll get into, I actually didn't tell you before, so this is exciting. I, I, I get to throw a little wrinkle. Um, this is a guy named Adam who, a um, couple closer to your age than my age, like early 40s, I think he's 42, 43, something like that. And he only started jujitsu maybe four or five years ago. He's like purple belt level. He's good. He's tough. He's strong. Um, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, I did some Thai boxing before and I liked it, but I, I never, he's like, it was just like kick the bag a hundred times and do this 10 punch combo kick combo thing. And like there was, and I knew what he meant because when I started doing striking, it was the same thing. It's like, you kick the, you hit the bag a ton of times you do maybe some shadow boxing, you hit the mitts, you do whatever. But then it's like when there's an actual person in front of you trying to hit you back, you're like, holy crap, I didn't like, this is terrifying. And it's, and there's a big disconnect between what you're doing technically versus applying it to somebody who is 
not particularly inclined to let you hit you hit you or hit them and they're going to throw the other uh you know scumbag move at you which is they're going to try and hit you back which is like oh man this is terrible so it's it's for me at least the way striking was taught until i until i learned from you there was such a big disconnect that it was just very discouraging because i'm like dude first of all i don't have time to do all this other stuff and do whatever secondly like it doesn't seem like any of this stuff applies um what i was able to show him is sort of the idea what you showed me which is that you immediately strike with somebody else and they're using defense and you're sort of aiming for their head and they start learning the defense right away and for him i was modifying it to you're striking into a clinch because he's like basically he's like listen i i've done jujitsu but i get worried about like what would i do in a fight because he's like, what am I going to pull guard on someone or something like that? And he's like, I play soccer a lot. And there's, you know, there's sometimes fights and stuff like that, or there's things like that. And every time like a situation gets tense, I get nervous because I don't have like a game plan. I don't have experience. And the, the tie boxing, I never felt like I didn't nearly know enough of that. And then with jujitsu is like, I know the ground, but it's all that stuff in between. And I'm like, cool. hundred percent know how you felt. I felt this way until I was a black belt until 10 years ago, I felt this way. So it was really exciting for me to kind of be able to give back what you and Kevin and Brandon and Colby and all these other guys and BT and all the guys that we train with have given to me, which is the the confidence of, of being on your feet with someone swinging at you. And so it was cool to give them sort of these drills and, and things like that and have them start understanding like, here's how you apply your jujitsu when someone's trying to hit you. Here's how you close space. Here's how you manage distance and all that kind of stuff. So, now, what's cool about that kind of training is like, let's say he had like, you know, a knee problem or something like that, something he could do where it's like, man, I can move, I can walk, but I really don't feel like I can train. I feel like I'm going to make this injury worse. Well, you can do that kind of training because it's not going to probably aggravate the injury or if even if it does, it's like, oh, we can figure out a step to, to take out so it doesn't. Um, so you still get reps and you still get feeling and, and sensation of something that's very applicable for what you're trying to do versus not training at all. Or versus just training on that bad knee and making it worse and worse and worse until you do have to get that surgery. So now you are out there out for a year. So he was flexible in his approach and he was able to get some really good training, even though it wasn't the type of training that a lot of jujitsu guys look at as training. So you can be flexible with all that. The other thing, and the other person I train with, a guy named Darren, who we've known for a long time, I've known Darren for almost 18 years now um that was sort of the other part of the story which is to me as bad as it seems like anybody on reddit any you know situation you've been i've been in there are always people that have been in worse physical health situations that have come back to training and so darren was the first example darren had uh diverticulitis which uh brock lesnar had at one point our buddy reed has had um, basically it's like this severe inflammation of the, the, you know, the colon, you know, or the, or the, some part of your intestine, intestine is more the word I'm looking for. So severe inflammation of it. And sometimes it's so bad you have to get part of your intestine removed. So that's what happened with Darren. He got, I don't know, like eight inches of his intestine removed. And while they were scanning his intestine, they noticed, oh, you have a tumor in your kidney too. So not only did he get eight inches of his intestine removed, but he also got like half of his kidney removed. At the same time, it was still kind of this miraculous thing because had he not had the diverticulitis, he probably never would have gotten scanned for any reason. And this kidney cancer that he had, a lot of times when it metastasizes, 
it spreads to the lungs. Once it goes to the lungs, you're basically dead. So by having diverticulitis, it essentially probably saved his life. So he not only has sort of a new lease on life, but dude, I trained with him on Friday and he, you know, he's lost, he's lost weight. He's still a big dude. He's still probably 230 pounds, but he used to be like almost 300 pounds. And we're doing some clinch stuff or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of these things where he's just coming back from surgery. He just had cancer. I'll just, whatever. He's fucking me up. He's doing like elbow pushing stuff and pushing it across my body. I couldn't do anything to him. Like, and then he kept like posting and grabbing my leg. Like he was going to, he could have taken me down and tossed me on my head. I'm like, son of a bitch. So not only is this asshole like coming back from like this, this horrible situation, but it's not like, that oh, you were out to take advantage of. Well, yeah, I was like, I was like, I thought it was going to be like, oh, I, I have to feel bad for this guy. No, he's still whooping my ass. So it's, it's one of these things because I think that people think, oh, well, I'm going to come back to training, but it's going to be like patty cake or it's going to be like, I can't do anything serious again. And it's like, man, maybe, but maybe not because in Darren's case, hell no. But I got a second example, our buddy Jeff, Doc Snow, as he's known. Now, he has always smashed everybody. It's like not a, not a surprise what he's going to do, and he's able to do it to basically everybody I've ever seen him train with. But he already had a, uh, you know, a, an artificial hip on his left leg. His right leg has a resurfaced hip, which is sort of a step down from, from replacement where it's like metal on metal, but it's not quite as much metal. So he has two fake hips. And a lot of injuries over the years, a ton of different injuries. But about a year and a half ago, it was getting really bad. Like he had like this crazy thing in his back where he's like, it's just, it feels like my back is broken and it's just excruciating pain. And then he was having that in his leg too. He's like where the, it feels like where the hip implant goes into the femur. He's like, it just feels like it's broken in half and it's just horrible pain. And he was ballooning up in weight. He was like 290 pounds, something like that. And he was not doing well. Like he just mentally and he was just like man i'm just i i can't train anymore i'm just i'm just done and you know i'm just trying to hold on like to you know to living at this point and it's sort of accumulated with at one point he's in work and i'm, I'm gonna hopefully not do this as well because that would be incredibly douchey and pathetic but he was like leaning back in his chair at work he's a very very busy chiropractor has a ton of patients every day very high stress job and he's leaning back and something broke in the chair and he fell back, hit his head and knocked himself out, like out. Like somebody from his office heard the crash, came in and he's like snoring on the floor, like 100% unconscious. And it was like this weird gift from God or whatever you want to say, because man, he, uh, he started, he's like, this is like my rock bottom, like an addict, you know, that, that has like that rock bottom moment. And he started doing like calisthenics every day, like doing push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. And he started uh, changing his diet. He does like the ketogenic one meal a day diet type thing. And he started losing weight and like getting like really strong. And, you know, fast forward like a year and a half later, now he's about 230, 228 pounds, something like that. He lost over 50 pounds. Yeah. Um, he moves way better. He feels way better. He has a, like, he still has pain, but not nearly as much as he did. And so again, you're like, okay, I'm gonna get on the mat with this guy who hasn't trained in a long time. He's a lot smaller. Now there's only like a 55 pound weight difference before there was like a hundred pound. <laughs> this old man's in trouble. 
that's not what happened. He beat the shit out of me. He beat the shit out of me like I've never trained before. Like he's been training the entire time. Like I haven't done anything. Like I haven't been training and teaching and, and obsessing and watching videos. And none of that mattered. He just beat me down. I knew exactly what he was going to do. I couldn't stop it. It was terrible. And then I watched him do it to person after person after person. Like abusive, horrible thing. He just beats them up and beats them up and beats them up until nobody wants to get beat up anymore. And a year and a half ago, he was like, I'm never going to do this again. And now he's back to doing it and crushing everybody. And literally as lean as he's been in 30 years. So that was another one that was to the brink. But I got another one. I got a third one. This one is probably my favorite one, though. Um, my buddy Matt, Pastor Matt. He is a, a man of a man of God, a pastor. Um, actually married my old jujitsu instructor. I was there at the wedding when, when Matt officiated the wedding. Um, and so I've known Matt for a long time. Matt has amazing qualities. Number one is a lack of self-consciousness. And what I mean by that is when Matt was a white belt, he would walk through the parking lot, full gi, gi top, gi pants, top, white belt on his waist, like, like tied, tied, everything like you're going to go train socks and sneakers in his fifties, walking through a parking lot like this in public during the day, no worries at all. But he was I going, go but, he, but he was going to jujitsu class. He was going true. Yes. He wasn't going to the store or anything like that. He was going to jujitsu class, but still in my entire life, I will never do that ever. I, will um, maybe I, I, have I, I am guilty of it. I am guilty of it. Well, well it's, it's, it's a short walk. It's a short walk from, Getting into my, yeah, I think it becomes weird <laughs> if I, if you ever see me at the, uh, at the central market or the HEB. That would I, be weirder. That yeah. would be weird. Like, but, but it's like, I literally like maybe gi pants. And I remember one time I was training back when I lived in California and I met up with a buddy of mine, like a, a buddy of mine, like called me and he's like, Hey, you should go to the happening. Like, and, and I was like, Oh man, I can't go. I'm wearing my gi pants. He's like, dude, how vain are you? Like, I'm like, I can't work. I can't be, in somehow I, I, I was suckered into going and I felt like, like just a, a douche. So anyway, so Matt would do this fast forward years later, Matt is now in his sixties. He's a black belt. And about, I think it's about two years ago now he had uh, what's called Meniere's disease, which is something that uh, both Dana White and Huey Lewis have, which I always get excited that those two have it. I don't know why. I just feel like it's such random things that what would Dana White and Huey Lewis have in common? Meniere's disease. Um, and so it's basically a disease of, of one of the nerves that is in your eardrum, ear canal, something like that, like goes from your brain to your ear. And it messes with your equilibrium and your hearing. And it gives like horrific headaches and like, like just crazy dizziness. Like maybe if you were spinning around or if you got punched in the face by Mo really hard, um, you know, and you're, feeling like that, like you feel that way for like, you have like episodes where maybe you'll feel that way for a few minutes, a few hours, whatever it is. And I remember on the looking for a fight, the Dana White show that he did, there's some, in, there's some point where he gets it and you could just see him like just in agony, like just sitting there. And like, so that, that's what my pastor Matt had as well. And I guess it got really bad. And at one point he was driving with his wife and he had like this crazy episode and she had to take the wheel. Cause he's like, everything's just spinning and he just can't even see like where he's at or whatever. And they're finally like, we got to do something about this. 
and the problem with Meniere's disease is there's there's like some people try like stem cells and supposedly that works for a little while but the the main thing they do is they basically they cut this nerve and the problem with that is i i don't think it makes you deaf in the ear but it but it like it makes it so like you you have like the the equilibrium in your ears so if you cut the equilibrium sensor this is total bro science but whatever you cut the equilibrium sensor in one ear like you lose all sense of balance and all ability to walk or, or, or see things on any sort of steady level, but you can teach yourself how to walk again and how to do all these things, but it takes a while. And it's really, really like, it's one of those things you have to take many steps backwards to take those steps forward. So at this point, the Matt was like, screw it, I'm going to do it. And he described the surgeries. Like basically they literally cut your skull open take out large pieces of bone, move your brain, cut this nerve, move your brain back, put the skull back, sew you up, slap you on the ass and send you on your way. And that was, that was just an in-office visit? No, I think it's, I'm sure you probably, I was exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly, because, and you got to move, man, because they're, 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 they're hopping and bopping, man. Huey Lewis is in the waiting room right now. Um, so, so he was out for like a year, like, because it's like, it's bad. I mean, you got to learn. You literally have to learn how to sit again, how to walk again, everything. And eventually, you know, if you're cleared and all that, you can drive and you can li- resume a normal life. But it just takes about a year to get back. So I've been teaching, you know, my class on Wednesdays and Matt shows up one day and I hadn't seen him in, in a few years. I'm like, oh, my God. And when we're talking and he's telling me, like, you know, I knew about the surgery, but we're just talking about it. And he told me, like, how long it's been taking him to get back. And it's been a year and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, we'll just train a little bit, man. Cause he's like, you know, I'm still scared about certain positions and just certain things. You know, I don't, I, I can't be flat on my back. I still get the weird spins and all that. I'm like, cool. We'll just, we'll train a little bit. It'll be lighter. This son of a bitch beats the shit out of me. He's comoring me. He's strangling me. He's, he's jamming his forehead underneath my chin. He's grabbing like, like super, he's in his sixties. He just had crazy major brain surgery and he is beating the shit out of me. So this idea of like when someone's like, oh, I'll never do it again or whatever. It's like, I've got. Hold on. Yes, sir. Quick question, because this, this, this could, po- you know, to put any critics yeah. to rest. Yeah. Some yeah. people could say, well, first of all, let me just say, did Pastor Matt, did he beat up anyone else? Because. If you just say he beat me up, a lot yeah. of people are just going to say, well, well, Carter's jiu-jitsu is garbage. That's fine. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much everyone beats me up. Yeah, that's true. Everybody beats him up. Yeah. So so I he to answer your question, uh, yes, he was beating up everybody in the class. And I was putting him up against some pretty good guys. And I would tell him, I'm like, listen, and I would say it right in front of Matt, too. I'm like, Matt looks like a nice guy. He is a nice guy, except when he gets on the mat. Then he's a dick. I don't know why, but he is, because it's true. He's just a dick when he trains. And like he's gonna beat the shit out of you and he's not gonna take it easy on you. Matt's like, <laughs> and he doesn't. And so he was like going against these dudes, and I'm like, I'm trying to give them for fair warning because it's like literally he's training with like a 20-year-old kid who wrestled before, and Matt is smashing this kid. Smashing Matt is like 62 or 63. He's literally old enough to be this kid's grandfather, and he is crushing this kid. So yeah, I watched him do this week after week to person after person. And I'd throw him against like pretty good guys that were way younger than him. And he would destroy them. 
And Matt is like the other for the I guess the critics would also be, oh, Matt sounds like some giant. Matt's 170 pounds, maybe. He's going up against guys around his weight. And I'm 175, 180. We're, we're close enough in weight that it's not like he had we he actually probably weighs less than I do. So this idea of like, oh, he's no, he's not. I mean, Jeff and, and Darren are big dudes. Matt is not. So it's like I don't know. I mean, like, I just it's one of those things that I think like a lot of things in life, you can want things or you can decide to do something. And they're different things. Because it's like when somebody posts online, I think they're like, you're right. I think they're looking for some sort of validation. They're looking for somebody to be like, man, you got to know when to fold them, man. It's, it's you know, every, every. Like when people talk about their injuries and whether yeah, or not they like, get on Reddit. Yeah, they should like, it's just when people ask that very question or when that guy posted that video about, you know, destroyed my body. I think he's looking for either somebody to be like, man, you know, I get it. And every dog has its day, you know, every, every, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for everything to attend. And you can look for that answer or you can just decide I'm not going to quit, but I may have to modify what I look at training or I may have to modify the other thing too, that, that I don't know about this guy, but I heard long discussions is that you do definitely have to prepare your body more as you get older. And that's something that I've been, that's kind of why I've been taking a little bit of time off. I've been working some different ideas on, on physical preparation, different types of strength training, mobility work, and, and things like that. I think that stuff becomes more and more important as you get older to sort of armor plate your body as much as you can. Um, but you just have to, in my mind, you decide that you're going to do that. You decide you're going to do whatever you need to do to make your body ready for these things. And you're going to modify the training however you need to modify it, but you decide that you're going to continue to train. That's to me, it's like, it's a decision. It's not, well, I want to do it, but I'm feeling, cause like you said, there's always going to be downsides. There's always going to be injuries. I was talking to a kid the other day, I call him a kid, he's 30, but he was like, he had trained when he was in his early twenties. And then he actually became a firefighter. He got married. He had all these different things. He moved, you know, so when he's in college, he was training. And now like eight years has gone by. He didn't train. And he started training again like a year ago or whatever. He's like, oh, man, I wish I had missed that time. And it's like, man, you have the time now. And all that other stuff is in the past. And it's like if if, if you decide to maximize your training right now, you can still get much further, much faster than than you ever would have at that age. You know what I mean? Like, and you just have to decide that's the truth and make that the truth versus, cause there's always going to be something. There's always going to be, Oh, I started too late. I started too soon. I started like, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be injuries with this stuff. Um, and if you want to find a reason to quit, there will always be a reason. Always. I mean, I hear like, I remember I, I heard somebody talk about an orthopedic surgeon where they're like, why would anyone do any sports? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense because all they see is the injured people that they have to repair the torn ligaments or whatever it might be. And it's like, you know, that there's, that's one point of view. It's like, why would you do anything physical? Cause you're going to get hurt. And then for the people who are like, I will take death before I will take that. It's a different situation. So, um, I have family members that when they see me injured, they'll yeah. try to talk me out of jujitsu. And some, at first, I 
I, I, I get very defensive about it, but I have to take a step back and put myself in their shoes and why they're saying this, right? So at first I'm like, oh, my family's trying to hate on me. They, they're yeah. trying to pull me down. They don't want me to... They don't want me to be the best version of myself. They don't want me to be strong anymore. Uh, they don't want me to have the superpower. Um, because to me, that's what martial arts combat, uh, it really is. It's, it's a superpower, yeah. uh, in my opinion. Uh, but that's not that, that that's not why they're doing it, right? They're doing it because they love you. They don't want they don't want to see you in pain. They don't want to see you injured. They don't want to see you walking on crutches, laying in bed. Uh, they, they don't want that. But what they don't understand is that you cannot be the person that they know and that they love. You will not be that person once you're not able to do the, that that thing anymore, right? Yeah. Like um, you and I have talked endlessly about um, the type of people we become when we're not able to train. I mean, my wife, it's, 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 it's <laughs> visible. She's like, I cannot wait for your knee to get better because you can <laughs> train, right? Yeah. And what people don't understand about that is that for me, it's not about um, the training. It, this is going to sound really sick. And this may be more boxing than anything. Yeah. Um, but I remember uh, my coach used to always say, you got to like to get hit. And I never understood. I was like, man, I thought the point, the sweet science, there's nothing yeah. sweet about that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get hit. I want to yeah. hit, not get hit. Um, but the reality is until you love to get hit, like there's being comfortable defensively right there there's that but the whole there the whole next level is like where you like to get hit yeah. and once you embrace it and you're no longer in fear of it that's really when you can be uh, defensively sound yeah. um and that's what a lot of people don't understand it's like uh you know salia will say something like oh you need to go you need to go beat someone up i was like it's not even that it's like i don't care if i'm getting beat up yeah. You know, I just need a I need, I need to be in there and I need to I need to walk out of there just feeling like uh, just tired and exhausted. Like I've been in battle. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then my mind is clear. And if I don't have that, then, man, I can yeah. go a few days, but you just start to get like you start to go maniac mode. And I think we have a, a, a circle of friends that. Uh, I love very much because if you're alone and, and and you're that way, you can start to feel like, man, I'm, I'm the only one. Maybe something's wrong with me. I, you know, normal people. Um, but then when you start, you start to have like a circle of friends, <laughs> all the same. They're all yeah. just maniacs when they yeah. don't train. Yeah. Um, then you're like, OK, this is my this is my crew right here. Yeah. Like something's <laughs> wrong with me, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, because it, it's it's one of these things that I think. Um, you know, if you get the if you get bitten by the bug of liking combat sports, nothing else will ever compare because that's like, man, I hear people talking and I've got a buddy from high school. Good guy. But he's like telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm really excited. I'm learning how to play golf and I play tennis on the weekends and it's a lot of fun. And blah, 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 like or just, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I love love an ultimate Frisbee. I throw that thing. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sure those things are fun activities. But it's like, to me, the priority is I need to be punching somebody in the face at least once a week. I need to be grabbing somebody and throwing them down at least once a week. And I need to be choking somebody at least once a week. I need those three things every week. And it's like, you know, I, I mean, I, my wife's really into like competitive exercising, which I get. Like people do CrossFit and they do things like that. It's like, oh, I got a better time. I did more pull-ups or whatever. And it's like, I don't care. 
you can do as many pull-ups as you want. I'm going to grab you off that damn pull-up bar. I'm going to throw you to the ground and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens from there. And it's like, it's just a different, like once you become that kind of person, I don't think it's possible to unbecome that kind of person. And if you can't do those things, life becomes weird because a lot of people out there for probably good sane reasons, just don't normally put themselves in those situations. They don't, people aren't used to people grabbing them or putting hands on them or pushing them or snapping their head down or doing these things. And so when you start trying to integrate into the normal world, it's really difficult, yeah. you know? And it, so it's, it's like, but yeah, I think it's one of those things that if you, if you become that kind of person, or if you just are that kind of person, you're never going to want to go back. Nothing else is ever going to compare. It's just not. So my mind, I think the brain's wired. I mean, you can't, you can't. You're, you're just, yeah, you're right. You're just that person. You can't. There's no, there's no going back. That is who you are. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like I'll give you an ex another example is, is the way the brain's wired. So um, I'll, I have a niece, and you can put her on any sort of extreme, jumping out of a plane, put her on the highest roller coaster, any sort of adrenaline rush that you can give her. It's, it's. Her brain operates in a way where it's like the most fun thing yeah. in the world, like eyes wide open, yep. um, hands up in the air, uh, just just free, right? Yeah. Um, whereas me, I'm like, that's terror. It's terrifying. No yeah, that's tough. That. Like yeah. when, when I when I plan vacations, I don't choose those type of excursions. My excursions, <sighs> hating, by, you know, hanging out by the pool and you know, going out to a nice restaurant. Those are my excursions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that. Like all that other type of thing, like jumping out of planes, stuff like that gives me a, a, an enormous amount of stress. Yes. Um, but, on, but on the flip side, they look at, like I look at them as they're, they're being crazy. They look at me as I'm the crazy yeah. one because yeah. what I enjoy doing, like I said, it doesn't have to be me throwing you down or it doesn't have to be me punching yeah. you in the face. I can be getting punched in the face and yes. I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. You know, somebody, somebody submitting me, I, I, you know, I just need to have the physical con yeah. I need to have that physical contact. Yeah. We need to go. And it doesn't yeah. matter if I win or lose. It's just the entire experience. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, and it's, yeah, it's just hard to explain to somebody who that would be like their nightmare. You know what I mean? But to me, it's like the nightmare of not knowing that is so much worse. Like it's crazy to me that people can go their whole lives and not want to know this stuff or do it or whatever. It's just weird to me, but that's why I think, Dude, I feel like you can justify this way more than anything else, right? Like, especially coming from the background that I came from yes. uh, in my prior career. It's like, how do people walk around yeah. and they have the complete inability to protect themselves and protect their loved ones? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even and I don't and even for um, like I, I'm hard on Sally about it. Sally is the most like feminine person you will ever meet. Like. She, I remember one time we were working them. I was like, I got to teach you how to punch. And we were just working the mitts and she started to tear up. Like she is that, oh, no. right? And uh, she's just not, you know, And but I tell her, I was like, look, what you think you can do and what you can actually do is two different things. And if I'm not there and now my boy's much, much older, right? But at first I was always very concerned. You know, I'd be at work and I'd be like, man, if you're out there and somebody snatches our son, you know, yeah. to throw them in a car yeah. and, and it does happen, right? People believe yes. it doesn't happen simply because it didn't happen to them yeah. um, or they don't know anyone that it's happened to, but it happens. 
Yeah. And um, I was like, what are you going to do? And, and, you know, she's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight. And I was like, okay, well, let's, well, let's see, let's see what you're going to do. Right. Yeah. And everybody has that idea that they're going to fight, but I tell them all the time, you're not going to do anything. What you think you can do, it, you're just not going to do it. You know, you're going to, you're going to get smacked one time. You're going to go into shock yeah. and you're going to sit there and cry, but your son or your daughter or your loved one is going to be gone. And that's it. You know, I feel like, Man, if you have children, and even if you don't, but if you have children, you definitely need to learn how to how to defend. I mean, that's like a parent's first. That's your number one thing is keep your kids safe, right? How do you keep your kids safe? Like if you never, if you cannot get physically, if if you don't know how to be physically violent, yeah. And that's the main thing. I mean, we talked about this before, where Jordan Peterson talks about becoming a dangerous person, right? And yeah. yeah, you have to learn how to become a violent person. I think yeah. everybody needs to learn how to become a violent person, but then you learn how to control it, right? Like be a sane, rational, good person. But the reality is, and this is the truth, yeah. de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. But I tell my son this all the time. Yeah. Once violence is upon you, it, 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 it's imminent. Once violence is being done to you. Yeah. The only way to beat that violence is with greater violence. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah. end of the story. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing else to talk about. And so if you yeah. don't know how to become a violent person, yeah. then then you're at the mercy of the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people are always like, well, you just call the police or do whatever. And it's like, you know, when the police usually come right about, you know, five to 10 minutes after whatever's happens happened. Yeah, I'm so taking the on the murder, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to witnesses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll come, they'll come right to when I show up. come right to the scene of the body. Like, <laughs> they're like, well, what happened? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't get it, man. And it's, it's, um, I guess I, I'm so happy that we have the circle we do because it's like I, I very, very rarely meet somebody who's not like that. Even like my, um, my construction manager on the new project. We were talking, and all of a sudden, he's like talking about um, BJ Penn and Frank Shamrock, and how he used to um, train with those guys back in the early 2000s in San Jose. And we were talking about this and that, and like I'm like, interesting, because he just he just knew I probably from my years or whatever, like that I'd done stuff, and so we just ended up talking about it. And that's one thing I like about construction is most construction guys are are a, are a they're a hardy bunch, <laughs> like they're 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 uh, they're used to uh, you know needing to get their way however they need to get their way type of thing. So it's like, I, I, I can respect that. Um, so let me ask you this. When do you, when, when does a person quit jujitsu? Um, I, I don't think they should. I think they should just simply modify. The only thing they should quit is the idea that training has to be one specific way. Cause as long as they can have that in their mind, all things are possible. Um, if they decide like, no, it's just got to be slapping hands, going super hard, seeing who taps first, going with anybody and everybody, dominating, blah, blah. Okay, that's going to come to an end sooner or later. But if you can open your mind to more things, then the answer is never. Boom. Mic drop. There you go. Love it. Man, to re-listen to this episode or check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also check us out on Apple iTunes, which... Everything should be updated by now. Is that I, that oh, is it really? Okay. Pretty old. I don't know if that's true, so we'll have to check that out. We're going to have like 60 episodes dropping in one day. <laughs> As Man, these guys have been busy. Well, <laughs> they're all there. Supposedly, they're all there. 
I'm Mo. That is my brother, my partner in crime, Carter Fisk. And as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat. <laughs>